Good morning. Would you remain standing as we read God's word? My name is Ella, and I'm going to be reading Luke 2, 22 through 40, which is today's sermon scripture reading. I encourage you to read along in your Bibles. If you are using the blue ESV Bibles at the end of your pew, you can find the passage on page 500. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to the Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consultation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him that the Holy Spirit, that he had not yet seen death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought, him, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts, may, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, and, and of tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband, seven years from which she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fastening prayer that night and day, and coming up at, every, at that very hour she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The return to Nazareth. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Yeah. Great. I get to follow that. I mean, that was great. That was like wonderful. It's, uh... So, well, it's great to be here. Uh, with you today and to uh, bring you this message. When I was asked to bring a part of an Advent message, immediately I thought of something. And so I thought, okay, well, if that's what I'm immediately thinking about, I should, that's how I should, probably, I should probably bring that one to you. So um, I'm going to be talking about some old timers today, which kind of fits, you know. As I look out, uh, I don't see too many old timers. I guess there's maybe a couple that uh, were, I don't have, to, I'm not going to have to explain my cultural references to you two, but maybe the rest, uh, they've been, I guess you've been, all been around me long enough that 
you get a lot of my culture references. But uh, So thanks for reading. Oh, I appreciate that. And uh, Mark, thanks for playing. It Is Well With My Soul is probably my very favorite uh, church song. Uh, how many of you know the history behind that song? Several of you? If you have, if you, here's a great gift suggestion, okay? There's a book called It Is Well With My Soul, or no, Thus Sings My Soul. I'm sorry, Thus Sings My Soul. And it has about 120 hymns, and it gives you the history behind those hymns, and it's fascinating. But uh, Horatio Spafford was a businessman in New York and had either four or five kids. I don't remember exactly the story. But he'd sent his wife and, and all but one of his children across the Atlantic to go to Europe, and he was going to join them later, and their ship went down, and they were killed. And so sometime later, he and his one remaining child were making the trek to Europe to f finalize things, and they, uh, when he crossed the area where they thought the ship went down, that's when he wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul. And you think about the, the worst of that is like, you know, losing a wife and four kids is just instilled as well with his soul. So anyway, uh, I thank you, whoever Mark is, for playing that. And, and uh, so uh, let me pray for us, and uh, we'll move on. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to open up your word and to share with my brothers and sisters what you've laid on my heart. I pray that it would, uh, it would edify them and it would glorify you and be with us today as we look in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, well, I have a little treat for you today, I think. Um, if we got it all sent and everything, it's... Uh... Okay, does that make you want to clap your hands? Boy, that is, uh, does anybody know who that is? Anybody? Michaela Jackson. She performed that on the Ed Sullivan Show. Does anybody know what that is? <laughs> yeah, okay, so uh, I just ha I'm going to tie in that old time, and I put, I put give me that old timers religion because we're going we're gonna to look at, at some old timers today. So let me give you a little bit of a disclaimer. Some of you uh, have been around, and I, we've talked about this, but it's, this is a two-minute disclaimer. My wife uh, has fallen ill, so she's not here, nor can she refute any of this. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give that to you. Uh, I'm 66 years old. No, really? No, it's, it's up. Uh, I grew up um, around farming and cattle all my life. I was raised in a small rural town in, in, uh, in Kansas. I was raised Catholic. Okay? I came from a, a broken home. My, my father passed away before I was born, actually. My mom remarried. They divorced, remarried again sometime later and divorced again. So somewhat of a turbulent uh, upbringing. I believed in and confessed Christ when I was an exchange student in El Salvador 
1975, so gives you a feel for my age. I was a varsity oarsman at Wichita State University, and yes, they do have a rowing program in Wichita, uh, quite a strong one for the Midwest. I've lived overseas for almost a quarter of my life, okay, so uh, traveled to and or spent at least one night in approximately 22 different countries. Uh, I pastored a, well, I've been married to the same wonderful woman for 37 plus years, so that's, uh, that's great, yes. Uh, I pastored the same church for nine years in Argentina. Uh, Pam and I and another couple started a school while we were there, and the last six years we were there, I was, also, I was a pastor, but also was the director of that school. I saw the Lord leading me into education, and so uh, I'm a, a seminary graduate with a master's degree in educational leadership. I worked, have worked 25 years in education now, which if you ask any of the guys that graduated with high school for me, they, they would laugh uh, loud when they, if, if they knew Greco was, in, was an educator. Um, 16 years as a head of school, I have three, ki- or three children, two daughters-in-law and three grandsons, and we've lived in Seattle for 17 months. So those are, that's, I tell you that. Because I want you to know my perspective as I'm um, looking into this message. This is the second message in, in our uh, Advent season that the church is calling waiting in hope. Okay, so we're waiting in hope. Now, waiting looks a lot different for, for different people. I put if you're 6 years old or 16 years old or 66 years old, waiting is going to be different. All right, now I have this hypothesis that I've put forth. Um, someone's probably stole it now, and it, it's, you'll think that I just copied it, but I thought of this. Okay, this was mine. Uh, no, but that if I'm six years old and I'm waiting on something, like it's a year away, that's a sixth of my life. That is a huge, por- that's why when you're a little, little kid, man, it just Christmas never gets here. You know, it's just like it's forever. And uh, as an old person, things happen, like, quick. You know, I was just like, it's a 66th of my life. I mean, I have a daughter who called us yesterday, and she's engaged. Yes. And I'm happy sad about that. Okay? I'm not going to go into that. That's not why I'm here. But I can remember, you know, just when she was a little baby girl. It's not that long. It happens quick. So I want to ask you, what are some of the things that you've been waiting for? Okay, now, this is a rhetorical question, but I still want you to think about it. Or proper, more proper grammar would be, um, the, uh, what, are you, what are the things that you are looking or waiting for? Okay, what are you waiting for? Some of the things that I thought of that I could uh, put forth to you was I can remember very clearly waiting for a younger brother. Okay, so my, I was four when my mom remarried, and not long after she was pregnant, and they, back then they didn't, obviously they didn't know the, what the gender would be, but I really wanted a baby brother. I wanted, oh man, I can remember waiting for a baby brother. So, I remember Christmas for us was like, how many of you remember the Sears, Roebuck, and Company catalog? Is that, does anybody remember the Sears, Roebuck catalog? Okay. 
Sears, Sears Roebuck and Company was a catalog. Do you know they, they sold houses at one point? They, had, they sold houses through the catalog. It started in, the Sears and Roebuck and Company started in 1897, and they ended, their last catalog went out 30 years ago, 1993. I can remember getting that catalog and going right to the football section, American football, because I wanted the pads and I wanted the helmet, and that was a big, big thing. Um, but most of the Sears and Roebuck catalogs in my family ended up in the various outhouses throughout our uh, property because it was a lot of paper in a, in a small place that you could just set inside the outhouse. And so um, I'm not sure Sears and Roebuck had that in mind when they started, but uh, this actually will play into my point. I remember when I was about 11 or 12, my grandparents, I, they asked me what I wanted and I said, I want a bike. I want a bike for Christmas. I can remember wanting a bike so bad and Christmas morning and we had this big kind of family room and I rush out and every, there were four of us kids and there were four corners in this room and I looked in, in my sister's corner, there was a bike and I got, I can remember getting so mad. What, she got a bike, what, I'm just, ah, and I was just, I ran over there and I go, why did you get a bike? And, and well, I'd neglected to look in my corner, I had a bike too. But I was more concerned about what my sister got that I might not have received. And so I was so excited. I went out and I rode my bike that day, freezing cold in the middle of Kansas. And two weeks later, Greg Emery shows up on his bike, and his bike had a banana seat on it. Okay? Now, you may have to look that up, but a banana seat was this big, long seat, and it was just like, and now I wanted a bike with a banana seat that I didn't have. And um, I remember wanting so bad to shave. I mean, I, uh, my, my stepdad, he had a Gillette that you screwed it open, you put the double-ed ra- razor down, and, man, and that's probably back in style now, right? But you, and then and shave. So I would, I would uh, go in the bathroom, I would take the razor out, and, and I would shave using shaving cream and just a razor with no razor in it. I wanted to shave so bad. Boy, has that been a disappointment. <laughs> um, and I wanted to get my driver's license. Growing up on a farm, I probably started driving when I was 10, you know, just helping feed cattle or taking this implement to there. So 14 is in Kansas, you get your driver's license, you're 14, I remember. Couldn't wait. Once, once a month, the highway patrol came by our little town. You could take your test and get, and I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I flunked the test. I went to school that day. I was a freshman. Paul Shelight picked on me, beat on me. He was, he was an upperclassman. And my girlfriend gave me my, uh, we used to have these little chains that had your name on it. She gave me my, my name chain back. She liked Tom instead of me now. So I tell you all that, not to make you feel bad for me, but any time that I have waited on something, it seems like it's been eventually been a disappointment, okay? That, that they very, very, very few things bring us contentment. Things, the what, right? I thought about having a, a perfect job. Any of you thought, oh, if I could just get into... Okay, uh, like technology, or, uh, technology, right? If I could just get that, if I could just land that job with name the company, 
everything would be great. Um, but it's not great, always. I'm not saying that they, there aren't great jobs. I love, mostly love the job I do now. But there are times when I don't. It's messy on earth. You know, when we came to Seattle, Seattle was the last place that I'd ever thought we'd move to. Literally. Okay, I'm from the Midwest. You know, a lot of great things happen in the Midwest. Seattle was kind of scary because all we hear about Seattle is how you have two or three countries popping up throughout the city, different countries, and, you know, all the homeless stuff and, you know, it just rains all the time. And, um, well, God made it very clear that we need to come to Seattle. Very, very clear. And so follow what the, the Lord puts on your heart. That's where contentment lies. Um, but I can tell you that even spiritual things, even things that you that you think are, okay, I just want to do this. I can remember in my growing up in church, like I said, I was Catholic. I was devout. Uh, we lived about a block and a half from the church. I would go to Mass three times a week. And the priests kept changing. The priests, I mean, in our little town, Medicine Lodge, Kansas, Father Groom, he was the guy that uh, I took my first communion from, and I realized that when I gave my first confession, and he called, he I said, you know, I'll go in, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. This is my first confession. And I told him, I don't know, that I'd use the Lord's name in vain. I was mean to my sister. can't remember. And he goes, well, Matt, let me tell you. And I thought, I have to leave. I have to leave the city. This man knows who I am. Because I was going to have to confess to, you know. Um, but I didn't, I was, again, what was I, 10 or 12, however old you are when you have your first communion. And, uh, but he left not long after. Father McGreedy came, and he left, the, he left the, the priesthood and got married sometime later. Uh, Father Jordan, Father Murphy. And it was just it was constant men in my life just kept coming and going. And uh, I remember I, I thought, okay, as a, as a young Catholic lad, I, I wanted to reach this, this level of perfection and there, there it's kind of like, okay, if, if, the, if the scales are tipping towards good instead of bad and something happens to you, then you're, you maybe probably will get into heaven. Well, that's kind of a weird thing. Uh, and so in El Salvador, when I, when I came to understand who Christ was and what he had done for me, uh, and I made a decision to say, yes, I believe that. And I, boy, did I want to believe that. I, then I thought, okay, well, I really can't live that life. I'm not perfect. And it took, it's taken a while to understand what that means as a believer. And I was, you know, and I was a member of a church in Kansas City that when, I, when we joined the church after we got back from Argentina, it was about 150 people, okay? And it, was, it got up to like 800, and I was, we were involved. The, the school that I worked at was part of the ministry, and... They had a scandal, and the church split in two. And so even things that are good, like jobs and relationships and church, they can bring disappointment because it, it, it's what it is that, that we should be waiting on. I think we get a picture of that in the Scripture reading today. The consolation of Israel. Okay, or what, what was that actually? Well, uh, 
Simeon was, was waiting for the constant. He was waiting for the Messiah. He was waiting for Messiah to come and to make all things right. If you, um, if you understand that. It says, Psalm 94 reads, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer me. Okay? That is, that is such good news for us as believers that, okay, it doesn't say we're not going to have cares because we are. But when we have cares, if we focus on the what of Scripture, the consolations that, that, that the Lord has for us. Another place in Scripture talks about that. On, on the other hand, the one who prophesies or the one who preaches speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul's talking about the various gifts and, and how to use them in the church. And he says if one is speaking to the congregation for their uplifting, that's a consolation. We can have, ho- we can have hope in that and a hope that won't disappoint. All right, another, another what that I think is important is the redemption of Jerusalem, right? which is a, really a picture of the redemption for us. Uh, if, you, if you read the Old Testament at all, you see the, the theme of, of redemption throughout the Old Testament. Uh, in Leviticus, it talks about how to redeem land, how to redeem for sin. In Numbers, it goes through that. Probably the most famous redemption story is the kinsman redeemer in Ruth. Okay, Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. She, that, was, that was her redemption. I'm not going to tell you about Ruth, but the whole story revolved around someone had to come in and do what she couldn't do for herself and redeem her from her station in life, okay? And um, that was her kinsman redeemer was Boaz. Psalm, reads, Psalm 130 reads, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Okay? Redemption. Have you been redeemed? You know? Have you been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? And that is a, that's, a great, that's a great what to think about. So who? The second piece here. Who am I waiting for or on whom am I waiting? And again, guess what? This looks different when you're six years old or 16 or 66, am I okay to talk about Santa in here and not really ruin things or yes, good, yes, no? Uh, it's okay here, okay there, anywhere else? Okay, everybody, okay, phew. Because you got to be careful, all right, because I can remember uh, my eldest son came to me. I was a pastor, and he'd heard from the pulpit about Jesus and this is like a nine-year-old, very intellectual young man. He comes to me, he says, Dad, is Jesus like Santa? Is Jesus like Santa? Can't sing? Says he does all these things, but eh, I'm not so sure. Is Jesus like Santa? It's like, whoa, come on. And of course, what I did, very astute, I said, go ask your mom. So that, that's... Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. We had a nice long talk. Uh, anyway, I can, I can remember too, when we moved back to Kansas City, we joined this church. We were the, new, we were the newcomers. They, they had a small group at our house. And, we, and the newcomers would be a lot of young people. And the young people would go downstairs, and we'd be upstairs. And I remember one time, new family, first time ever, they had four kids, and they were like from 10 on down. 
And in the middle of our, hey, what brought you to the church and what brought you to Kansas City? This young lady is screaming, says, Mommy, Mommy, Gracie. This is my 21-year-old that just got engaged, okay? Gracie's just told us there's no such thing as Santa Claus. And everybody's just, the uproar, and the dad leans over and he goes, uh, I don't envy being you, but this will be a good story someday. And I looked over at Gracie, and I said, Gracie, and she goes, like, well, you know. And so uh, the, uh, if you're waiting on Santa, there's going to be disappointment, you know. I waited for a long time on a, on a father who said he was going to do what he said he was, that would do what he said he was going to do, you know. Um, I was really involved in sports, thought that was going to be my, um, my salvation. Of course, I, people go, well, yeah, I can believe that about you. You're kind of, uh, but uh, <laughs> I had to work at it like crazy. I, I, didn't, I didn't start shaving until I was a junior, so it took me a long time to finally start that. Well, he started coming when I started getting good. And it's just like, you know what? No. And that was, that was between after their second thing. And anyway, it's like, I just wanted, I wanted someone to show up to my games when I wasn't doing good or doing well. I wanted a mom who, who, who did what she said. Mom, bless her heart, 90 years old, uh, lived with us for many, many years. Uh, but she was more concerned trying to change her husband than, than trying to be the mom who was nurturing I wanted an uncle who would acknowledge the good that I did, not just the bad. I remember my Uncle Bob. I, I, he was, well, I farmed with him for many years. And the only time he ever talked to me, really, literally, was when I messed something up. And I, finally, I just got, I said, Uncle Bob, you only tell me when I mess up. He goes, well, of course. You need to do good. I'm here to tell you when you do bad. Any of those people in your life? <laughs> okay. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, you have to kind of get your head around that. Um, so here's something that I've, who, that's never happened yet. Drivers who drive according to the law and my expectations, okay? I mean, um, Medicine Lodge, Buenos Aires, Kansas City, Seattle, no one has quite met my expectations, which are just not that hard. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> No, it's not, it's not so much the drivers here in Seattle, it's the pedestrians that get me. Holy. In Argentina, it, you take your life, in, in Buenos Aires, you take your life in your hands when you cross the street. Here, I just heard it, this guy on TV, Mark somebody, I think he was, a legal, he goes, you can, you can literally not be in a crosswalk and cross the street and be partially at fault and we'll still get you a, a judgment. I'm thinking, well, no wonder people are acting like that. It's crazy. Um, other countries, other parts of the country aren't even like that. So, um, perfect marriage and children. Okay, that's what I, I look. I wanted to have a perfect marriage and children. And I've been married for 37 years. And if you've heard me talk, it's the best 30 years of my life. 37, best 30. And if Pam were here, she'd go, she'd go. How do you get to 30? But that's she always tries to one up me on that. But. Um, when I, I was 29, uh, the year that we got married, and I can remember I was engaged before and broke the engagement off and met Pam, and, and I just, I just, I, I start, then I made a, I went to the Lord and I said, okay, what do you want? Well, I want you to, to, you know, commit to me before you commit to somebody else. Ugh. 
okay. And uh, anyway, Pam had all the things that I made. I, I made a list of all the things I had to have in a woman and all the things that sure would be nice. Okay, now this is just me. I'm just saying. And, she, and, she, and you know, I made a commitment that if she didn't have all the have-to-haves, you know, if she had four out of the five and all five of the sure would be nices, I would still say no because, right? Well, Pam had all the both sides. And guess what? It's still not a perfect marriage. Okay? Why? Because she's a sinner. And I'm a sinner. She actually expects me to do what I say I'm going to do when, I'm, when I say I'm going to do it. Like, look, you told me six months ago you wanted that fix, and, and I, I'll get to it eventually. Okay, that's not funny to you guys, but I guess you have to. It's funny to me. But, uh, and then kids. Kids came along. We wanted kids right away. It didn't happen. We thought, oh, no, we're not going to be able to have kids. Okay, it's okay. And then we have a child. Great child. I mean, very obedient. Didn't cry in church. We thought it was us as parents. We'd be at church, kids would be crying. I'd look over to her and we'd go, yeah, obviously, you know, it's us. Eight years later, number two came along. I had an eight-year-old crow that I had to eat because we didn't raise him any different. But this kid, we were, who were we telling last night? We were telling someone, oh, yeah, we, the first, our first child slept eight hours a night from the time we brought him home. Eight hours a night newly parents, how, how would you like that? And the second one never slept more than two hours at a time. So, but guess what? Our kids are sinners. We're sinners. They're sinners. We, uh, so anytime you put your hope in people, guess what they have in common? Eventually you're going to be disappointed. Eventually, and it, it doesn't, I mean, you don't have to be like, oh, but very few people can give us hope or contentment, you know. Psalm 27, 14 reads, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Never in all the time that I've been a believer has the Lord ever let me down. Ever. Now, there's been some, there's been some times when I was sure he was going to say yes and he said no. Or there was times when I was sure he was going to say no and he said yes. But he has never failed or forsaken if for no other I mean there is there is such peace that passes understanding having a relationship like that with someone someone who never ever lets you down who brings peace that's lasting it's funny as, as I read through scripture peace often comes with and sleep you know you know I guess the older I get I cry at stuff easier, and, I, and I, it's harder for me to sleep the whole night through. I don't know, it's just that, that, those things. But Jesus will never fail you or forsake you. Psalm 46, 146, 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Titus, Titus 2, 13. Our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, what are you what are you waiting on? What what are you hoping in? Who are you hoping in? If it if it's not the Lord, and then why wait? Why 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 would you wait? Okay, so we're waiting in uh, you know waiting in hope. Well, you've made the decision to wait. That's something that was never me. I never made the decision to wait. I always wanted stuff right away, right? But. You have no other, some, sometimes the Lord put me in a position where I had no other option but to wait. 
You do not understand why, but you have the faith in Jesus, the what and the who. Okay? And I wanted to share with you, as we're kind of wrapping up today, three people, three different groups of people that waited. Okay? And if you go back to our scripture we talked about, it was Mary and Joseph. Okay? It was Simeon and, and Anna. All right? And I want to I spend a little bit of time with each of those. If you know about Jewish customs, you probably heard this. I'm not the first to tell you this. Mary was probably somewhere between the ages of 12 to 15 when she married Joseph. Yeah. And that just freaks me out. But that's, that, that was a custom then. I mean, they, did, they had a much shorter lifespan. And Joseph was probably somewhere between 25 and 35 when he, married, when he and Mary were married. And Mary got a message from an angel in a very religious community saying, you're going to get pregnant, and uh, you're not married yet. And what did Mary say? Well, uh, you got the wrong girl. No, she didn't say that. She said, whatever the Lord's will is. And then Joseph, when he found out that, that Mary was pregnant, he had a right under the Jewish law to to have her stoned, to kill her, literally. And he decided, if you read the, the, the scripture, he decided to put things away quietly. Man of honor. Well, angel showed up and said, okay, look, I know this isn't going to be easy, but here's what I want you to do. Now, that's not exactly what he said, but that's the summary. You know, you're going to have to be with this woman until she gives birth, and then raise that son up, who is the son of God, up as he's your own, and, and face all of the ridicule and shame and everything your culture is going to bring you. And Joseph, what it, well, he said, okay. I don't, he said, okay, he did it. So that's, that, they, they were waiting for Jesus to be born. I, I, it's funny, being raised in the Catholic Church, I always got out of the Catholic Church. And, you know, Mary was the first human being that believed that Jesus was the Savior. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but they had a time. Simeon. Okay, let's talk about Simeon. Simeon was, was my generation. He was 66, if you look at the records. No, we don't know how old he is, but we know he's not, he was probably older. Um, it says that he was... Um, man was righteous, devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel... So we know that tells us some things about him. And when he saw Jesus, uh, he came into the spirit and he said, you know, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. He was ready to die after he'd seen Jesus because he knew that that was the thing he was waiting for was to see Jesus. But Anna, Anna is the one that is, is, the, is where I got this, this whole old-timers religion. If you look in Scripture, and some of your scriptures will have it, some not, but it says that she got married and was with her husband for seven years and then was a widow until the time she was 84. But if you look at some of that, some of the, those, there'll be subheadings that says, and for 84 years she was a widow. All right? Now, it makes a, makes a better sermon point, if I can use that, but even 84 is pretty old. So she... She was married. It's, it seems that she didn't have children, 
for seven years and then she became a widow. So if she was 15, seven years is 22. So from 22 to 84, so for 62 years, what, what did she do? She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. That's, that's, that was her whole life. So she didn't have kids. Had to go home, probably. Some, there was some home somewhere because she couldn't, as female, she couldn't spend the night in the temple. So there's a lot of different things. But here, what if she was 106? What if for 84 years she did that and simply waiting for Jesus to come? I, uh, when I was a pastor in Argentina, we used to do short-term mission trips. And we, we would go to the north of the country, and we had these, we'd help these orphanages. We, actually, we were building a church one time, and it was in the hot part of the, of the year, and it got hot in the north part of Argentina. And one of our families said, hey, I've got this literally 84-year-old that wants to come on a mission trip with us. And I said, no, I don't want her coming. They go, why? He says, because she's going to be, she's old and she's going to slow us down. Now, I was the pastor, so of course this was, you know, very pastorly of me to say these kind of things. But this is how I felt. I thought, I don't want some 84-year-old slowing us down. She's going to be tired. She'll probably get sick. Oh, and by the way, she wants to come, she wants to come a couple of days later, which totally throws off the whole mission program. But oh my, okay, just keep her out of my way. Now, that was kind of what I said. Well, she shows up a couple of days late. First thing she says to me, she says, boy, I'm really tired. Eh, bingo, of course you are. Says, and I just, I don't know, I'm just going to have to rest today and I can come tomorrow and work. And I thought, just stay out of my way. Stay out of my way. So she shows up and we're painting the inside of this, this structure that we just and back then, I didn't have any new uh, joints. I have a couple new joints now, which allow me to get around a little bit better. But I, was always, I always got painting because I was tall, and they could, I could get on a, a roller with an extension, and I could get to the roof. But really, from the waist down, it was, it was torture for me. <laughs> so this woman comes up and says, I can see you're struggling a little bit from the waist down painting. How about if I just come alongside you and I paint from the waist down, and you won't have to? And literally for a week, this 84-year-old woman blessed my life by from the waist down. And we, we were ministering to this group, and uh, fruit was very, very inexpensive in Argentina at that time. And for a penny, you could buy a, a banana. Literally, one, one U.S. penny, which at that time was about three Argentine pennies, you could buy a banana. So... This woman had the audacity to go back to the States and start a ministry called Pennies for Fruit. And she would go to different, different churches across the, where she's from, Oregon. And, and by the time that we left Argentina, she had like 18 different churches kicking into Pennies for Fruit where she would just, she would send them this very simple thing and she was raising literally thousands of dollars for this orphanage down in Argentina. And I, of course, I had the foresight to tell her not to come. I mean, I'm so ignorant sometimes. And it's just fascinating. She told me, she said to me, she said, Matt, I've been, I've been waiting to do something important before I die. And this is it. 
She'd been waiting to do something important, pennies for fruit. I don't know how many kids she fed. I don't know how much money she raised. But it was a, it was a, a bigger ministry than I ever was a part of. And it was just this woman who was faithful and hoped to somehow serve the Lord. She served me by keeping me from having to squat and paint. And she served the Lord by, um, by even though she's old-timer, she, she believed that she could serve the Lord and still have impact. So, close with a couple of pieces of Scripture, and we'll go to our communion time. Isaiah 40, very famous, uh, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And James tells us in James 5, 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. You see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains? So my, my admonishment to you and to me is we have to be patient. The Lord has, has us waiting. It's different for all of us. Know what you're waiting for. Know who you're waiting for. And if you can, try to figure out why, because that's sometimes elusive. Eventually, we'll get to ask that question. But just serve him, and, uh, and you, will, you will bless those around you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that we can trust, we can hope in your coming. Um, during the time of your birth, there were those that were, that were waiting in hope, and they found that when they, when they saw you. And in each of our lives, Lord, you have us at different points. And some here today may not even know you or have confessed you. And I pray that today they would, they would make that, that decision. They would, they would make that, that they would cross over from death into life. And for those of us that are struggling with something, just give us that reassurance that we can trust in what you have for us. We can trust in who you are and that you, you are our why. Lord, I thank you for this, this time to, to glory in the time of your birth and to remember some of these great stories that give us hope. Uh, bless us as we leave now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are His.